Welcome back to Single Minded. My name is Hannah First. I am your host. And my name is Linda, the co-host. Stop <laughs> laughing at me. I'm sorry. I just, you're so <laughs> awkward every intro and then you warm up a little bit. In this intro, I had promised on my Instagram stories that I would share what happened in my tarot reading over the weekend. Just to give you some context, I was in Dalesford on Friday and I got a tarot reading and actually mum and the whole fam came up and we spent the whole weekend there. And what did you say when I told you how accurate the tarot reading had been? I just reckon with a tarot reading that, (laughs) you know, they can say things that are true or not true. Anything that rings true, you go, Mm -hmm. oh, yes, that is so right. That's amazing. And then you just ignore everything that's not quite right. That's my view on tarot readings. But that said, I've never had one. Yep. I tried to get her to do one and she just said she wouldn't be able to hide the distaste on her face. No. And I, I yeah. probably get the giggles. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, I'm going to read you out some of the things and you let me know what you think of this. So she basically pulls out cards around a circle and each of those cards relates to money, where you live, family, work, relationships and direction. So you get a major card. And so the major card for me was the world. And the world card says that you are in the end of a chapter. Whatever's gone before is done. We're not even interested in it. This card says there's a million possibilities. Think big. It's a time in your life where you can go for the opportunities that you've always really wanted, Mm -hmm. especially if you don't have anything tying you down. This card says that if you're not tied down with relationships, children, whatever. So she, you had never mentioned that? No, never. Mm-hmm. She could have Googled you though. You, no, she didn't. She could have. She could have checked your Instagram. So the last bit on that was you've earned a new chapter. And she also said you need to work out what you want to build. So she said just you need to do short-term goals for now because you don't know what the big picture is just yet, which is very true. True, true. The other thing that she said was about the people in my life. And she said, there's a whole lot of people in your face. You need to clear them. Not me. (laughs) She said, you speak to three types of people. The first one is they love Uh what you're saying. They agree with you. They're supportive. They are in. Then there's the next people that say they always have a reason to say, well, that's a stupid idea. They're out. She's like, out. (laughs) The next is... This is you, mum. They don't understand what you're talking about. (laughs) Out, she said. As if you could get rid of me. As if. Okay. What a silly woman. (laughs) Um, Basically, she said in terms of family, you have fantastic ideas, but people block them. (laughs) And that can be family that blocks them. You're an idea. Hey, hey, you're an an ideas person. True. Yep. So she got the card and she said, so what this says is don't throw your ideas out, but just don't run them past the people that are going to make you feel like it's a bad idea. And then at that very moment, (gasps) you rang. Oh, oh, okay. That's a bit spooky. I was on the family card. She literally (laughs) said that about family. And your name popped up. She goes, oh, your mum's calling. Oh, well, how did she like, know oh. my name? My name's different to you. Because it, it came, say mum? It said mum, oh, you okay. loser. <laughs> no, <Okay>. Not Linda. <laughs> so she said, 
If your family don't think they're good ideas, hold off on mentioning them. Wait until you're feeling stronger in being you and doing your thing within the family. Well, I would say stop asking my opinion on every (laughs) single thing, every minute of every day, and then you won't get negative reactions. Well, that's exactly what the card said. But hey, I, I am doing the podcast with you. I did not reject that. You didn't. Now, okay. Yes. I'm almost done. Now, this was the spookiest (laughs) one, mum. This card says, I'm very capable. I do a lot of things by myself. I like doing things by myself. I like my own company. And then the other card said, I'm really looking for the types of people that love to do the things that I love to do. That's very general. (laughs) I I like people that do what I want to do as well. (laughs) Then she said, are you looking for a love relationship? And I said, I'm not sure. Mm. And she said, I'm not sure either because you're pretty happy by yourself. We're looking for people that love the things you do. We wouldn't mind a group or a tribe that likes to do the things that you like to do. So that's not necessarily seeking a lover. She said, you're more turned on by seeking a group of people, like a tribe. A hippie tribe in the middle of nowhere. Yes, exactly. So she said... I don't have that group of people. So that makes me think with the world card, what are the things that I love to do by myself that I could find a group that also likes to do that? So she said, you need to go find that group. Don't you think this is really accurate? Uh, some of it's general, some of it's accurate. Okay. Yeah. So fine. she said, if we find them, life will take you this way. And then it wouldn't surprise me if the work and the place you live alters. Oh, my God. Are you going to go to that jungle you showed me on yes, YouTube? What was I, that like, called? Uh, it's a off-the-grid kind of conscious community living in Costa Rica mm. where they – You can be sure I won't be visiting you there consciously. <laughs> That's okay. She basically said, out, you're out. How dare she try to get rid of me? <laughs> Who is this woman? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was my reading and I really felt, regardless of whether it's real or not real, I felt very comforted by all the changes that I've been making lately. So apart from the, the tarot reading, which I missed, how great is Dalesford, our third year running? Love. Dalesford's got everything, good coffee, the lake walk, mm-hmm. good food, it's leafy and breezy, good houses to rent, some well-stocked shops, although you know that chilli jam I bought, Dad, I dropped it yesterday. And um, our house, though, is pretty mad, so full of furniture, cushions, lamps <sighs> and knickknacks. There wasn't too much room for us, and I certainly am no. blaming you for using all <laughs> ten rolls of toilet paper. We, Don't. <laughs> we only just made it to the end, and I wanted to ask you, why do you need so much paper? It's bad for the environment. <laughs> Oh, I'm trying to use less. Two I don't know. Goodness. I think I go to the bathroom so much, that's why, during the night. <laughs> and I'm half asleep, so I just, like, pull it down and it all comes, you know, rolling out. Mm. Anyway, it was fun. Yes, thank you for hosting us all at that madhouse. <laughs> you can see the house on my Instagram reels. But anyway, let's get into the interview. I'm interviewing Lane Moore and then Linda will be back to chat about what she thinks. Yeah. <laughs> 
Lane Moore is a comedian, actor, writer. She hosts the comedy show Tinder Live and she wrote the book How to Be Alone If You Want to and Even If You Don't. I discovered Lane through her TEDx talk, also titled How to Be Alone. Welcome to Single Minded. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here. So you've said about your book How to Be Alone, I wanted to write a book about how to embrace your feelings of loneliness or not belonging and how to make the most of it and learn to be your own friend, your own partner and your own parent if you need to be. Can you talk me through your journey with loneliness and being alone? Sure, absolutely. Um, I can give you the, you know, the abridged version. Um, what I have now found out is a, a lot of people, you know, just had a had a really challenging childhood where I didn't get a lot of things that I needed. And I always thought I was the only one who was like that. You know, it's just such an extreme degree that I really felt extremely like I was just on my own. And before I wrote the book, I was like, oh my God, I'm the only one who has this story. I'm going to put out this book and say how lonely life has felt when you don't have that strength of that, you know, really solid dynamic. And people are going to be like, what's wrong with you or something. But since writing that book, I literally can't keep up with, I get hundreds of messages every week saying, nope, that's my story too. I didn't know there were others like me either. So there's so many of us, mm. you know, even people who had admittedly easier childhoods than I did or felt more connected, but still have felt this lifelong undercurrent of being alone or just not able to fit in in the way that they want to or not able to feel loved and seen in the way that they wanted to. So that's just been something that's that's affected my whole life. And a lot of what I talk about in the book and some of, in the TED Talk as well, is, you know, if, if things are really challenging at home, you're going to look to friendships. And then if those friendships are very challenging, which they often are, especially if your foundational relationships were challenging, then your friendships are difficult. So then you're like, all right, well, I've got to find some sort of love and connection because that's very human. I'm going to go and find it in the dating world. And like, mm-hmm. you know, as I'm sure everybody listening knows, like, that's not going to be any easier. That's not... You know, so so what I have learned for myself is that I really had to learn to reparent myself. I really had to learn to be a friend to myself. I really had to learn to be my own partner, as you know, silly as that can sound. But when we're not given the things from others that we needed, uh, especially in our formative years, we can't look to outside people. You know, very, very rarely you'll hear about somebody getting lucky and they're like, I had a really rough time and someone magically saved me and made everything better. And I'm like, nice if true like I just because for most of us we have to create those foundations in ourselves and we have to do that for ourselves so what I wanted to showcase in the book was a bit of my experience with bumping into those obstacles and even in the best case scenario even if all those things go correctly you know people leave or die or cheat or disappoint you or they change and so at the end of the day You really do as much as it sucks and it does suck. You have to learn to be the constant in your life so that no matter what happens, you're going to be okay because you have you. And I knew hopefully that would be a a powerful story for people to hear. Mm. So how did you kind of get to that place? I mean, were there periods of your life where loneliness was a big part of your life? My whole life still there. It's still there for sure. You know, I, I don't. But it's getting it's getting better because one of the biggest things that I wanted to talk about in How to Be Alone is all the things that go unsaid. Um, and so much of loneliness, you know, you have issues of shame within that of like, oh, my God, why do I feel so alone? What's wrong with me? There's got to be something. No one else feels this alone. 
and things like this. And one of the only remedies I know for shame is to be open about it. And, and Mm. it's funny because I think that a lot of people think that that's easy for me. It feels awful. I don't, I'm not superhuman. I don't feel, you know, um, every time I talk about this, when I was doing my talk, I was shaking and crying when I wrote the book, it was very painful, but I just know and had hope that if I talked about my own, my own loneliness and my experiences with this, even though we're not supposed to talk about it, what if there was somebody else? What if there's somebody listening to this? Instead of thinking about it, like, even when I'm talking to you, there's a part of me that's like, oh my God, what if someone hears us and is like, look at this lonely bitch. But what if there's actually somebody else listening and saying, oh my God, she's me. Hmm. That's possible too. And, and so I think I've struggled so much with, with worrying about being judged or worrying about being enough. So much of my progress of not feeling so alone, it's like, well, what if I spoke up? What if I said, uh, I feel this way? What if I said, I'm worried about this or I'm worried you think this? Or one of the biggest things that I have been working on my entire life is not attaching shame to loneliness, mm. even when other people might. You know, I, I, got a, I got a DM on Instagram the other day that was like, why are you so alone? And they said other <sighs> nicer things within it. But it had this really pointed sting that that immediately made me go back to years ago when I would have read that and just felt so defensive. And I was able to pull back and realize what this person was actually saying was, because I feel alone too. Mm. And so they actually weren't saying to me like, what's wrong with you, you freak? They were like, I feel like a freak. Do you feel like a freak? What happened to you that made you feel alone? Because I do too. But again... So much of the world is like, you feel lonely, fix that. Like there's this real resistance and like it means, it means you've done something wrong. And I know for me, I have done nothing wrong. And I, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm a perfect person, but there was nothing I did wrong that made me struggle in my relationships. And I, that's just a really big message that, that I've realized for myself and others. Yeah. So has your relationship with your aloneness and being alone changed? Like I know what you said, you just said before, like the shame of being alone. So like sometimes I'll jump on Instagram and it'll be Friday. My favorite thing on a Friday these days is to like reorganize my apartment. I love it. And I love doing it with like a podcast. And then I jump on Instagram and there's like people out for dinner and at weddings doing all this stuff. And then I start to feel like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Even though I was having a really nice night, has your relationship with being alone changed? Do you like, like it now? Or are there still moments where you're like, this sucks? So I absolutely know what you're talking about. And I really do think that it's more uh, easily felt and articulated now with social media. Mm. Whereas, you know, when you were growing up, for me, I kind of thought, oh, everyone's going through the same stuff I'm going through. Everyone. And now, you know, like the more social media has been out there, I'm like, oh, wait, like there's a whole chapter in How to Be Alone about um, going through the holidays alone and dealing with holidays. And the reason that I say that is because holidays are a really big time for me and have been in the past years where I always thought everyone has a hard time on holidays. A lot of people send them alone. A lot of them, you know, it's really rough. But then when the holidays come around, it seems like every single person has the perfect family but you. When birthdays come around, everybody has somebody who throws them a magical birthday party. When someone gets injured, someone throws them a GoFundMe. Like, 
It just seems mm. like because of social media, it seems like nobody ever feels alone. Nobody ever doesn't have that magical person who swoops in and says, are you feeling pain? Not on my watch. And like, that has not been my experience at all. And so sometimes it's a daily process for me because with the holidays in particular, even after having come to these realizations, the holidays still come around and they're still hard. And I still have to remind myself, Lane, some of these people are exaggerating. Some of these people are, mm. are masking some, you know, I've known people personally who'll be like, oh yeah, my family was great. And then later they'll like say little things and I'm like, their family was not great. Like, so you don't, you, you just don't know that. And I think that so much for me of that loneliness is just kind of realizing that there's got to be somebody else out there who feels like you. And because of that, you're less alone. Even if it's just someone who's hearing you talk about how you feel on Instagram, right? Or, or someone who's listening to me talk about how they feel on the holidays. Simply by having these conversations, it's not the same. And I'm not going to pretend that it is, isn't, but you're living life your own way. And like, I want to organize. This is what I want. And then seeing somebody and they're going to dinner, like, so that's been a, a huge thing for me where I'm like, oh, I'm just like spending stay with myself. I'm just doing this thing with my, with my dog or whatever it is. And then you see that and it's so easy to go to like, oh my God, they're more loved than me. They're more normal than me. And I'm like, Lane, you're choose Like I talk to myself a lot, but I'm like, you're choosing your own life. That's what it is for you. And maybe one day my Instagram will be a bunch of things like that. But right now... That's not always it. And I know for a fact that so many of us, you know, who knows why they're posting that? Maybe they feel like they have to post that so people know they're not alone or so they don't feel less alone. Like, you just never know how much of this is a performance for people. And I think it can be hard for those of us who don't perform like that. Uh, it it really is. I, I had a conversation right. with a friend the other day and I was under the impression that like everything in her relationship was perfect. Yes. The opposite of that. And the other thing that really surprised me is that this podcast, one of the most listened, ep- like second most listened episode, the title is Why Are We So Lonely? Definitely people are feeling it, but they're not really talking about it because there's like shame attached so much to shame. admitting that you feel alone or lonely. I watch romantic movies. I haven't been in a relationship in a really long time. I watch romantic movies that are such bullshit anyway. <laughs> but I just I just cry. Like I just start crying because I'm like, look at them. Like, why don't I have that? And and I just literally fictional characters <laughs> to remind ourselves. Literally fictional characters, and we're comparing ourselves to fictional characters. Yeah. So there's an entire chapter in How to Be Alone that's literally about all of like the TVs and movies that I had watched because I'm such a hopeless romantic as well. Mm. And I watch a lot of things like that about like Jim Halpert and all of these rom-coms and these romantic relationships that I've been comparing my whole life to. And I have a theory that a lot of these writers haven't experienced that themselves. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like. I know that even as I'm also a musician and and I've written songs that are like about happy and being in love and feeling really great. And I can tell you they were about someone I wish existed. Mm -hmm. They're not about something I've experienced yet. And I think so that's what's so interesting to me is that so many of the people who are writing these TV shows were like the mom and the kid are best friends and everyone in the family gets along and it's like a little dicey, but it's perfect anyway. 
for all we know, everyone writing these shows comes from like the worst childhood. Like we just really don't know. And so many people really respond to, because we've been taught to respond to it, this like false narrative. Part of it is because it's like escapism and we're like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if life was like that? But I do think there can be something really damaging because it it can be really hard to go through that like, oh, everyone in TV and movies never feels lonely. And if they do, it's for like five seconds. And then the perfect person comes along and they're rescued. So, you know, what's really important for me to talk about in my work is is this idea that all these romantic movies I was raised on, all these romantic books and that showed me how relationships in general were supposed to look. When you look back at those people, like a big one for me is I'm a huge Anne of Green Gables fan. And I talk about that a lot in the book. And I like went to Prince Edward Island. It's this whole thing. But when you look at Lucy Maud Montgomery, her life was like miserable. And, you know, not to bum anybody out, but like she never really felt in love. And she's written, you know, I, I live for Gilbert Blythe and, and Anne Shirley, like so romantic and so often you can see it, the proof, the people who are writing these beautiful and they never felt alone, it's because that person felt alone. Mm. So it's like lovely, but we're comparing ourselves to this thing that that writer wished for too. You know Mm. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Something else on your TEDx talk. First of all, it was super raw and powerful, but can I just say the outfit? (laughs) That is the best TED outfit that there ever was because no one ever wears cool outfits like that. That makes me so happy. And it's so funny because it makes mean so much to me because I was really stressing over what to wear because so often TED people either wear like, it's like super like business casual, whatever, Mm. or it's like super, so laid back, yeah. like just very like neutrals, whatever. I am like an expressive person, all these things. And you can't see it in the video directly, but like I literally had a rainbow in my hair that was like all these different beautiful it. colors and then the velvet. And I was like, I want to be who I am. And I, yes. again, the seriousness of this topic, I'm still a joyful, loving person. And I want to wear a joyful, loving outfit and still be taken seriously. It was like a um, velvet purple suit. It was amazing. I was like, I (laughs) I really want that suit. I love that more people on TED need to wear the outfits that represent themselves. Because you're right. I never noticed the outfits except when I saw yours. (laughs) Because, because, and I get it, you know, I I imagine the idea is they're like, I want to be taken seriously. I don't want people to focus on my outfit. Mm. And I'm like okay, but I express myself through through color and light and through my outfit. And like, I literally thought before I did it, I was like, well, if this is distracting, like there's nothing I can do about that. But it also might be something that people immediately see it and they're like, oh, I get her. Yeah. I like her. Like, you don't know. It might uh, actually draw someone more that to me. you. Yes. <laughs> Look at us now. <laughs> yes. But seriously, like you always worry. About, I, I always worry about the, the negative consequence. And it's like, But that's been a beautiful process for me to be like, or what if something awesome happened? What if you did what felt true to you Mm -hmm. and it brought more people to you instead of pushed them away? 100%. And you opened your talk with a story about a woman you met while traveling and she was completely shocked you were traveling alone. So I'm actually a big solo traveler. I think even if I met someone, I would still go on my solo travels. I just, there's something about it you grow so much from those experiences. But I would love to know, because I think you said in that opening, like why has like traveling alone become a thing that requires so much courage, but also like, what do you love about it? 
Yeah. So when I went on that trip, so that woman that I met was when I went to Prince Edward Island to go and like experience the Anne of Green Gables stuff, all these things. And I just, I had always wanted to go and I went by myself and I was just reminded so often, I think particularly because I was traveling abroad, even though it's, you know, the different states in Canada, but nonetheless, when I was there, you know, I think there's this idea and especially for women of like, what's going to happen to you? Something horrible is going to happen. And I'm like, well, Instead of, <laughs> instead of asking the woman what's wrong with her that she put herself in the position, maybe we like take a step back and say, wow, what an upsetting world where the first thing I think when I see a woman traveling alone is that she's going to get murdered. Like, why don't we think more about dismantling that culture than making somebody feel more scared for doing something they wanted to do? Mm-hmm. This idea of like, why does there no one to protect you? And I'm like, <laughs> my story of embracing traveling alone, dining alone, all of these things came out of necessity and then talking about them was able to release some of that shame. So I know there's a lot of like, oh, I don't want to be that person eating alone. Oh my God, what would I even do? For me, I came from such an extreme situation that I was already doing so many things alone. It didn't, it wasn't like It wasn't like I was like, I'm going to take a solo trip. Can you imagine it? All my other trips have been with 15 girlfriends. Like (laughs) that was not my reality. So it wasn't some sort of like, I'm going to do things differently. It was like, well, I haven't met those magical group of 15 girlfriends who I do everything with. That's not been my experience yet. And I want to see some places. So I'm going to go and Again, experiencing that fear of like, oh my God, am I that weird, lonely? Like just all these stories that other people tell us and then we tell ourselves. And once you're able to shed that shame and look at it in a different light, I love traveling by myself. And I think the natural progression ends up being once you realize how beautiful it can be to be by yourself, you can get to a point, which is where I'm at now, which is where I'm like, oh, you know what I'd like to do next? I'd like to go on a trip with someone else. That'd be neat. And so, you know, like I'm coming at it from a different angle, whereas yeah. most people are like, I'm always doing this and yeah. I, maybe I have to do it a different way. And so I don't know which one is harder to say because ne- I haven't had the other experience as my background. But if that's been hard for you, making those connections, for me, it's been like, well, let me be okay with doing it myself. And the more I'm able to trust myself and accept myself, and realize like how much I love being around myself. Like that's not an ugly, weird, narcissistic thing to say. Even mm. when I said it just now, I was like, oh, yeah. how dare I? And I was like, no, yeah. that's the goal. That should be the goal for all of us is mm. that literally when you spent that day organizing, like that was you having fun with you. Like, <laughs> why is that not, why is that not enough? Mm. But, but it's because culturally we really make it not enough. Mm. So onto um, a bit of dating chat. So you have a live show called Tinder Live. Yes. I think I was watching one where a guy was like his profile had his penis size on there. Sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> Can you explain to the listeners how it works? How does Tinder Live work? Oh, was that the guy who said his penis size was like something like really intense, like, like 11 inches or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I mean, maybe, but I feel like that's not in your bio. So yeah, I do a show called Tinder Live where I go on my Tinder on a projector screen and everybody in the audience votes whether I swipe right or left. And it's really just trying to talk to the weirdest people we could find. It's super kind. It's not like 
let's like ruin this guy's day. It's really not that. And I'm really very proud of that. I just want to lean into like the weirdness of it because mm. part of the reason that I created Tinder Live was because so much of online dating feels so heavy and so lonely and you make it mean something. You're like, why am I only seeing these weird profiles? I bet other women aren't seeing as weird of profiles. I bet they're all seeing hot, cool, kind guys. <laughs> I bet other women don't get sent horrifying messages. I bet other women don't get racist comments, objectification, all of these things. And what I wanted to do with Tinder Live was if I'm showing it on this screen, we're all experiencing it together. Now everyone in that room is going, oh my gosh, I'm seeing, everybody's seeing profiles like this. It's not just me. And so there's something really beautiful about, about that. But what I do is I talk to the weirdest guys that I can find. And I basically play a very silly character who's just kind of mm, very drunk and very horny. And like <laughs> something happened to her brain and you're not sure what it is. But the weirdest guys on Tinder love that. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, like you could see it. And what I always say to give people an idea of like who I'm swiping on on Tinder Live is white guys with cornrows whose name is Amen. Like that's who we swipe on. And then we talk to him and it's just like, very silly. And sometimes those guys actually play along and it's really funny, but you know, I'm, I'm realizing things in their profiles that are just so funny. So it's like, you know, yeah, you'll see the guys who are just really ridiculous, but it's fun to also just decode those and say like, well, what are you really saying in this? And that's one of my favorite things about Tinder live is when a ridiculous profile comes up and I'm just like, oh, hi, I'm Jake. I'm 28. I hate women. And I think that's a personality. Like, it's just uh, yeah. taking that sting out of it by calling it what it is. Because there's so many men's profiles that are actively yelling. Mm. Like, I don't know if you've seen those, but so many profiles are like, first of all, I don't want any women who are like this. Yeah. If you're this, I'm disgusted. And I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> and then we'll swipe right. And like, yes. You know, because it's like, and then I'll be all those things. Like everything yeah. he said, no, I'm like, hi, I'm argumentative. I'm a feminist, blah, 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 blah. And he'll be like, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, I'm serious. Yeah. Or there was like a guy who in his profile, he was like, no feminist. If you're a feminist, I don't want it. And I was like, swipe right. Yes. And so he swiped right. And I was like, what's a feminist? I don't know what that is. And like, just playing with that yeah. is really fun and like bringing comedy into it i'm going to assume none of these led to any actual real life dates um unfortunately friend they have um (laughs) in the the beginning of tinder live there were people who like you know i'm playing with these guys and a lot of times even if the profile was awful the guy will like play along and like there was a guy the other night on one of the zoom shows And his profile photo said, like, I've taken all my photos from the perspective of a fish looking at me. So when we matched, I was like, hi, I'm a fish. And he was like, ha ha. And I was like, I'm absolutely serious. I'm typing from a tank. And so like, but he kept playing. He was like playing with me. He's like, oh my God, this is so cool. And like, he's talking about meeting up with me in my tank and like all of these things. So sometimes when they're playing along, the audience or whatever will be like, you should maybe go out with him. Yeah. And in the beginning I did. And I won't again. Because the fact is like, they're getting to know someone who isn't me. Like I am playing a character. Mm. So it's like, even if they play along well, it's hard to know. Like, did you like me? Because you were able to tell that I was intelligently playing a character. Or did you like this character of this woman who's like, kind of insane and not very bright. Like, mm. There's like an undercurrent of social commentary in 
in this about like what we expect women to be. And so men who really like her, I'm always like, mm, not I sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I find that sometimes I get like an Instagram message from a guy that thinks that he knows me through social media. So he's been following right. me and, and I don't usually like engage, but this guy sent me this really long message. Oh. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And he was like, I love your content and blah, blah, blah. And we went out on the date and I think because he thought, I I don't know what he was thinking, but he just was like went on a rant about women, seriously a rant about women over 30, like all the the, the issues with women over 30. And he kept saying at the end, he'd say something really awful. Like he just kept saying awful things and he'd go at the end, good content. Like, Like as in, would I find this good content? That's not even good conversation. Like I don't... Like, let alone good, like, what? And it's so funny that you get that because it's like, as a comedian, every now and again, and it's always weird, and I have no problem being like, no. Uh, But when people be like, maybe you could use that, I'm like, I won't. Um, Because I'm just like, why are you assuming I'm going to take this, like, hateful, uninformed, not even, that's not even a joke. Yeah. You're just being a dick. And so, you know, somebody asked me recently, they were like, with Tinder Live, do you ever get exhausted? Like, cause I can get exhausted seeing these really like hateful, intense profiles. But again, that's like the beauty of Tinder Live, because if you're looking at those profiles yourself, just by yourself, you're like, oh, not again. When a profile like that comes up on Tinder Live, people cheer, you know, when there's like a profile that's like no women over 30, no blah, blah, because they know that I'm going to be like, let's play. Like we're in, because again, it's just like taking that frustrating negative into like something positive. And I think that we're all feeling the same type of loneliness. We're all feeling like every other woman is having an easier time. Every other woman is having a wonderful date, you know, cause, and I don't know if you did this, but it's so easy to make it about yourself and be like, why do I deserve this? Why is he telling me these things on a date? Why don't I get to have a date where someone just says, I'm really smart and cool. And then we get calamari and then nothing bad happens. It's a lonely feeling even in that. How is dating going? I know it's a pandemic. <sighs> Are you virtually dating? Um, at the beginning, you know, uh, at a certain, not the beginning, beginning of, of, of the pandemic, but at a certain point I was like, you know, I, I think like a lot of people during this, I was doing the like, cycling through the like, I'm going to download this. This is horrible. And deleting it and then going back and downloading it again. Uh, I've done that uh-huh. many times. Oh, I feel yeah. I've done that like 50 times in like a year. You're yeah. like, what are we doing? This, this is never working out. But it's, Why? it's literally the definition of insanity is yeah. continuing to go back to that. And I know that. I know that. Like yes. the smart people. <laughs> I know it. But I'm still doing it because... But it's like I try to hold space for that because I'm like, we are human beings. We want love. We're deserving of love. Um, If our able ability to connect with people is limited, that's kind of what we're left with to some degree. But for me, I had to let go of that because I think there's such an urgency for women that doesn't exist for men. And this is, you know, we, we know this on so many levels in terms of like, I have to find someone. I have to, and time is running out and I better do this. And it's so toxic and it's so lonely and it's not as simple as just be patient. There's literally like 
<laughs> a whole chapter on how to be alone where all I talk about is like all the disgusting things that we say to single women specifically about like it happens when you're not looking and I'm like who the hell is not looking for love mm. who the hell is like no thank you I don't want to be taking like that's you can't separate things out like that and so you know I'm I'm a super romantic I want that I want all the things but mm. I think for me at a certain point I was just like this doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to keep trying this one way and it makes me feel bad. And so then I try it again and it makes me feel bad. Like then maybe that's not my way. Maybe there's another way or that's not the timing. But you know what? I hear from so many women who are like, what do you do when you're really burnt out on dating apps? And it's like, I can almost feel like what they want me to say is some BS about like push through it or look at it a different way. But what I will always tell them is like, then stop. Mm-hmm. For me, you know, I still I still want that. I'm probably going to be a hopeless romantic for the rest of my life. But right now, I'm just like, well, what work can I do on myself? Not to make myself more lovable, but to how can I love myself more in this moment? If this is a period in my life, because, and I don't mean this in a cynical, negative way, but there's no guarantee that's going to solve everything. Like, let's say tomorrow you met the world's greatest guy. You think you're going to be happy every single day, every single second because of him? Like, 100%. We're not, you know? That is the truest thing <laughs> I've ever heard. Like, it doesn't mean it's going to solve anything. And I no. think, no. And that, and that's why it's such a joy to have the time. Like, I have found I've been, I've been single for a while. And it's the joy of your life to have that time alone, to be happy on your own. Because then you're just like... I think it'll be so much better when it does happen because I'm the same as you. I'm a hopeless romantic, but I want it to be the right person and, like, I'm happy to to wait or for it not to. And if it doesn't happen, it's fine because I'm fine on my own anyway. Precisely. And it's, like, it would be nice, but, like, man, like, so much of this is stuff we were fed, but just because it's stuff we were fed doesn't mean we have to keep feeding it to ourselves. So, you know, like, yes, we were told that we weren't anything if we didn't have this relationship. And there still is a lot of sexism and ageism in our society, but we don't have to perpetuate it for ourselves. So any moment you can take to like snap yourself out of like, who says there's a rush? Maybe I meet my dream person at 50 and it's awesome. And I'm so hyped and the rest of my life is rad. And the other thing I always think about too is, this is something I, t- I tell myself. I'm like, well, let's say I don't meet my person for five, 10 years, whatever scary number it is for you. How is my time best spent in the meantime? Is it mm. freaking out? Is it beating myself up because it doesn't happen till then? No, that's not the best use of this time. And so there's a whole um, thing I talk about in How to Be Alone about how so much of women's lives is waiting to be chosen. That's really what it is. Mm. And there is a real way to choose yourself in the meantime and forever, because waiting to be chosen, you're never going to feel good. That's like, it's putting the power in everybody else's hands and it's not putting it in your own. And so that's what I try to do where I'm like, well, I want to be chosen. Yes, but I want to be chosen by somebody I also choose. (laughs) Mm. So, yeah. Uh, well, on that note, yeah. thank you so much. Where can people find you? Yeah, um, I'm uh, on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok at Hello Lane Moore. And um, uh, you can find How to Be Alone if you want to. And even if you don't, is on book and audiobook and the TED Talk. 
And I'm doing the virtual Tinder live shows as well. And you can find out about that on social and stuff. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lane. Yeah, thank really you. really enjoyed this and super nice to meet you too. Yeah, you too. I feel less alone now <laughs> because it's so nice to speak to people that feel the same. Exactly. And you, you forget how powerful that is, but it's so powerful. And that's been huge for me, for sure. So, Linda, hello, you're back. What did you think? Hi. Well, it was interesting because I just bought a book when we were away called The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog and Other Stories from mm. a Child Psychiatrist's Notebook. And I usually read nonfiction books about childhood trauma. So mm. listening to your interview, I was just so curious to know all the details of what had happened in her childhood, which sort of didn't come up. So I started digging around today on the internet to find out more. I watched her TED Talk and Mm. read a few of her other interviews and she said that as a child her own parent and protector the people most likely to love her didn't and she doesn't like talking Mm. about it because it's too painful so that explained Mm. that but I have to say I really liked her advice on reaching out to strangers I so agree with that smile at someone in the street hold a door open for someone, tell someone they look great. And the other night outside the supermarket, I had a very nice chat to um, one of the guys who hangs around there asking for coins. And as you know, I never carry coins and I have no cash on me, but we started chatting and he told me where he lived. He actually wanted the cash to go to the pokies up the road. He told me how much he had won and lost in the last week. I gave him some very good mum advice on gambling and we said our goodbyes after after the most gorgeous young bloke gave him $10. Oh, so yes, I. Why um, do people tell you their life stories, Linda? I know, I know. you get stuck we, at dinner s- parties, <laughs> and they just tell you the strangest things about their lives. I think I like to ask sort of the questions to get to the bottom. So that's why I was going, "Oh, Lane, Lane, I want to know more." But anyway, she she's um not telling that story just yet. Yeah, well, I had seen that on the TED Talk. Mm. Oh, do you know what I really liked about Lane was at the end of the call, like we were just chatting at the end of the interview, we both said like god it's so nice to chat to people that are going through similar things there's just this whole world of women that feel the same and and, she can be in new york and you can be in melbourne loved her purple suit on ted talks very nice wasn't it yeah very cool fab (laughs) all right well that's it for now we'll be back next week for actually a solo episode so looking forward to more mum advice then If you made it this far, I'm hoping that you enjoyed the podcast. If you could subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review, that would be much appreciated. It really helps other people find the podcast. Not that I'm desperate or anything. See you next week.